So, Pete, what have you conjured up for this episode? We actually have conjured up two practicing witches, and we're going to be talking about witchcraft and Wicca, and we promise one spell-binding good time on Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen. I'm Pete. And I'm Maureen. And once again, it's time for the Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen podcast. We come to you every Monday is when we uh, upload the podcast. We are a married couple, married 44 years. Just marked the anniversary. Just on uh, the 24th. And uh, every week we get together here in our kitchen studio over some beverages, sometimes adult beverages. And we talk about whatever it is that's on our mind. Sometimes we pull it off the top of our heads. And sometimes it comes out of somewhere else. But we always try to make it fun and entertaining. And this week on Mixing It Up, we're talking about witchcraft and Wicca and the difference between the two, if there is any. And we have two actual uh, practicing witches with us today. And they are Nikki and Michelle. So welcome to Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen. Thank you. So tell us. Uh, first of all, uh, the first thing on my mind is I've heard now, remember you're talking to Wicca witchcraft virgins here. So we know nothing about that. And don't sacrifice them. I was just going to say sacrifice. <laughs> and when, when you mention, uh, of course, witchcraft to people, the first thing that they think of is, be off with you before somebody drops a house on you. Or are you a good witch or a bad witch? Or the question comes up, uh, uh, is there a difference between witchcraft and Wicca? So why don't we start with, with that? Is there a difference between the two? Are they interchangeable? Sometimes yes. Sometimes, sometimes no. <laughs> um, you can be Wiccan and not be a witch, and you can be a witch and not be Wiccan. But you um, can be both. But you can be both. Um, Wicca is more of a spiritual path, uh, an earth-based religion, and witchcraft is more of the practice of magic. Okay, that's okay. Now, now, what about pagan? Is that all? I've heard that pagan is the big umbrella that it all fits under. Okay, um, because it's not one of the what are they? The the uh, um, I always get that. Well, no, no, no. The the Abraham, Abrahamic. You know. Okay. Okay. The big Abrahamic religions. (laughs) It's like Christianity, Christianity, Judaism, Baptists, and everything else. Paganism covers all the various non-Abrahamic paths. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. So now you both came from Catholic backgrounds, right? Yeah, as, yes. as Maureen and I did. And our listeners know that we left the Roman Catholic Church about five or six years ago and became independent Catholics or Reformed Catholics. And you each went into uh, Wicca. What, what did it hold for you? What was in? What did you find in Wicca that you could not find in the religions that you were born into? Independence, freedom. You know, Catholicism is very uh, dogmatic with so many rules and regulations. You must do this. You can't do that. Um, Wicca, witchcraft, is very freeing, very independent. You take control of things into your own hands. We answer, you know, our own questions. We 
um, take responsibility for our own actions. Now, that's not to say that Catholics don't take responsibility for their own actions, too, but, you know, you have to always go to church in order to, you know, receive something. With Wicca and witchcraft as well, it's it's female empowerment. That's really what it is. And that's ha that had a lot to do with keeping us squashed down for a long time, for having the bad witch thing, you know, like, ooh, you're evil because you practice witchcraft. You know, back in the old days, it was the uh, witches that people went to for healing because they were the ones that knew how the herbs worked. They were the ones that knew how to do childbirth and help, you know, people bring other people into the world and so on and so forth. It was all about, you know, the learned ones. They, those old women knew what they were doing. So how long now have you each been practicing? I, when I think about it, I've probably been Wiccan all my life, even before I knew about it, because when I first read about it, I was like, oh, that's everything I believe in. Mm -hmm. But um, officially, probably not since, probably since about 2000, uh, with this coven, mm -hmm. about 10, 10 years now, I guess, I guess 10 or 11 that, years yeah. now. What about you, Nikki? Yeah, same thing. Um, you know, I grew up Catholic, but I used to sit in church going, eh, this doesn't make sense. They're, missing, and, they're holding something back. Yeah, and, and I just remember feeling closer to divinity, you know, watching a beautiful sunrise or sunset or listening to the, you know, the, the uh, ocean crash on the shore or something like that. And then I got into high school, and we were reading Macbeth, and my English teacher made some kind of a comment about, oh, yeah, they always say that the witches look like hags. And she was a very beautiful young woman, and she's yeah. like, I'm a witch, I don't look like them. And my ears pricked up. And she started to talk about Wicca back then, and this was, you know, mid-70s we're talking about. And uh, I'm surprised she was as open as she was, because she probably could have gotten fired back then. But, um, yeah, she opened up a whole new world. I finally had a word. I finally had a description. And part of it was because Wicca really did not hit the United States until like the mid-50s or so when Gerald Gardner brought it over from England. Mm -hmm. um, it was always very, you know, quiet and underground and, you know, you can talk about some of the um, things that your grandparents probably did that could probably be classified as witchcraft, but they'd probably smack you if you told them that they were <laughs> witches. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a lot of those old-time folksy kind of remedies and things like that that people bring, you know, with them as part of their you know, family uh, traditions and things, but that's how it, it, it came about. Um, Gerald Gardner finally came up with the word and whatever his background is, and I'm not gonna get into that because we'll be here all day. But uh, yeah, so he brought it out, gave a word to it, and that's how, you know, we've basically developed. And don't forget, you know, back in the 50s when all the stuff that was going on historically here in the United States, um, you know, the hippie revolution started in the early 60s and the free love and the whole bit. You know, we were trying to move away from all those rules that bind, that prevent us from doing what it is that we know in our hearts might be, you know, okay. There's nothing wrong with, you know, premarital sex. Oh, my God, I'm going to hell. <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing, right? So it's like, all right, you know, let's act like responsible adults. So but you know that you no doubt have found it to be very uh, empowering and very definitely. freeing. Now, let me ask you this. When you became witches, is that the proper? Yeah, you could say that. When you became witches, when you became practitioners of this, uh, what, was there a personal price that you paid, if I'm not prying too much? Did, did you lose friends over it? Did, did you lose family members, or did you have family members who 
maybe pushed back a little bit on this? Not so much pushed back, but thought it was funny and uh, got a lot, got to be the butt of a lot of jokes. Yeah. Um, but then I think as it became more and more accepted, I mean, it, it's still considered a, an oddball thing, which is like I don't talk about it at work because it, everybody would focus on my background rather than what I want them to focus on, which is them. Mm. But uh, I'm open about it at work with my coworkers. They're aware of it. But even then, some of them have freaked out over it. I had a, um, I have one coworker who's a pastor, a Christian pastor, and another coworker who thought it would be funny to out me to him one day. And he started spouting um, Bible verses to guarantee to sort of chase the devil away. And she and I, neither one of us expected that reaction. And of course, there's, there's really not a devil involved in this no, to begin with. We don't believe in a devil. Right. right. So when, when he finished and I could get a word and I said, well, contrary to what you expect, I, we really don't have a problem with other religions. <laughs> and he, it, it took him a couple of days to get out of it, and we, we work together quite well now, thankfully. But um, and every once in a while, he will try to uh, bring up the proper way of things. But generally, he's learned that I'm pretty, pretty safe. <laughs> I'm not turning anybody into toads. <laughs> now, what about? Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because are there are there spells? Are there potions? Again, when people think of witches, they always think of the cauldron and all oh, kinds of stuff being thrown in. And, so tell me, are are there are there potions and are? Yes, <laughs> of course there yes. are. Do they do what you think they do, or am I going to turn someone into a toad? No, they usually do that on their they, own. Yeah, they. <laughs> <laughs> they, they wreck their own lives. We just, you know, sit back and laugh and say, oh, see what they did, you know. So, no. Is there somebody, I'm pissed at them and, and they're hopping down the, the roadway now? No. I mean, come on. You know, that's Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, what it's really all about is being responsible for yourself. It's inner growth. It's taking care of what's right and what's wrong when you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder telling you what's right or what's wrong. Because let's face it, you know, We've got that great Ten Commandments thing there, right? Okay, my favorite one, thou shalt not kill. Okay, we all agree on that. Thou shalt not kill, correct? Mm -hmm. And then we hand a rifle to an 18-year-old and say, okay, now go kill somebody we're at war with. Or it's okay to kill somebody if it's self-protection. Okay, so then it's no more, thou shalt not kill. Now, now we have some kind of, oh, but it's okay if. Yeah, yeah, it so, became thou shalt not kill with the following right. provisos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's basically what we're dealing with too. We recognize that there's no black and white, right or wrong. There's a gazillion shades of gray in between there and it's up to me to decide if that shade of gray is important enough for me to deal with whatever consequence might come back um, for whatever choice I make. And I'm not looking for somebody to take the heat for me. I will take the heat for myself if I have to. What is your vision or your concept of the hereafter? When we all stop breathing, what, what do you believe Whatever happens? Whatever you believe. Me personally, I firmly believe we go on. I also firmly believe that we reincarnate because I have memories from my most previous lifetime uh, and from a few others. But the one from my most previous one are very vivid. Um, the life after death, I've had, well, 
Mo, you've known I've had visits from Gina, my <laughs> sister. Uh, so I firmly believe that, that life goes on afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I, my, my belief is that we've got this afterlife that we continue to learn in, that we continue to grow in until it's time to reincarnate um, based on how we're going to improve our soul and grow, grow our soul. Uh, until we get to a point where we no longer have to reincarnate. So is, is there a, a paying for past transgressions? Because as you know, in, in Catholicism, uh, boy, we, we have a hundred thousand ways to make you feel like shit, you know? And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think that, I think that my, my Jewish friends will agree with me because, you know, they, you always hear about Jewish guilt. Mm -hmm. And believe me, Catholic guilt is just, just as, as just as just deep, as you know? So, uh, I still deal with that. So, so where, where, does that, where does that sit in, in the practice of, of Wicca? You, if, if it's energy. Every, for everything you do, every action you do, good or bad or indifferent, uh, there's an energy that's put out, and the energy needs to be balanced. And if you put out something that's going to harm someone, you have to balance the energy that you put out there uh, that's going to come back to you. We call it coming back threefold, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come back to you three times. You're going to have three times the effect, more or less, the energy, but the energy has to be balanced. And if you put out good energy, uh, good energy usually comes back, or it spreads out through the world sometimes. Also, you may not be the recipient of the good energy you put out of the, of the rebound effect from it, but sometimes it, it like spreads out to the people around you, which is still helpful for yourself. And I try and stay away from that whole good energy, bad energy kind of thing. It's just energy. Mm -hmm. Energy is always going to act the way energy is going to act, whatever its properties are. For example, fire. Fire is an energy form. It's going to act like fire no matter what you do. The choice is, though, are you lighting that match to cook food or are you lighting that match to set somebody's house on fire? So it basically comes down to what your purpose is that you're doing with that energy. And I fully expect that if somebody has pissed me off enough and I'm burning their house down, I'm going to take whatever karma kickback is going to come back to me for burning that house down. But, you know, as, as you grow and learn with this path, you know, you learn how to go within and you know, maybe keep a handle on that, uh, you know, temper that might have set a house on fire 20 years ago. <laughs> I might decide now there's another way to deal with it because I've matured and I've learned different ways to handle that kind of stuff. But, but that's really what it's all about. It's all about energy. It's manipulating energy. When you learn the properties of how energy works, then you can manipulate it. I had an aunt who used to say to me, Peter, when you spit up in the air, when you spit up in the air, it comes back down. Absolutely. On you. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't know if that was an, an Italian thing, because, you know, we, we, we Italians, we have like all of... spitting in the wind. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, we have all of these, all of these beliefs and all mm -hmm. of these folklores and the, the malocchio and, oh, yeah. you know, the evil eye and all of that. But I remember she used to say to me, Peter, if you spit up in the air, mm -hmm. it is going to come back down and, and hit you. And it's physics. It's science. Yeah. You know, the yeah. closer we're getting to more uh, scientific... Uh, Quantum physics. Well, yeah, and, and the more we're learning about this, the more that scientists are being able to show us what this and what that is, we're learning more and more. It's what we've always called, quote-unquote, magic. It's science. You just have to learn what the laws of the universe are, and it's just the way it works. What are we fighting against it for? 
Let's live in harmony. We're talking about the different uh, energies and Mm -hmm. things like that. Now, you know, again, the Hollywood view is a good witch and a Mm -hmm. bad witch. Of course. Are there (laughs) are there such things? Are there people that are like dedicated to like the dark side versus the good side? People who are dedicated towards the dark side or to the good side, but oh, there's really not a good witch or a bad witch. It's just your intentions. And you know, like everything else, you can. Uh, one of the one of the things I always like to say: if we had a hundred Wiccans in the room right now, and you asked a question, you'd get a hundred and twenty different answers, <laughs> and they'd all be correct, because that's the one thing about this path: it's very individualized, and what works for me might not work for her, and vice versa, and what works for me today might not work for me tomorrow, and so it's part of that growth process. It's part of learning where you are and what it is that's going on with you and it's it's all internal it's all about going within and you know meditation and and it's it's nothing like you see in hollywood and it aggravates me so i'm sure it really is is. i I, you know i I really well you know what it is they would never sell anything if they made it exactly like what it looks like but you know but that's what it is it's a lot of personal work and when we talk about dealing with the dark side that's dealing with that part that you've repressed all your life because you know you've been told maybe you know um, you know that that should be embarrassing or that's not what a good girl does or whatever it happens to be but it, it ends up being where your strength actually lies um, you know so what I might have a lot of uh, leadership abilities but I was taught as a little girl that I was supposed to be seen and not heard so what happens now? I have this leadership ability, and I can't be—I can't be heard. That doesn't work out too well, right, Michelle? In our group, once in a while, this mouth has got to go, you know. But that's—but it has to. But it has to. And that's what happens. You know, we've been taught certain things all through our lives that we're not supposed to act certain ways. And what we're actually doing, we just tap into who we really are. And is it really wrong for a girl to be assertive? Mm-mm, I don't think so. We're all being taught now that we need to find our voices. Maybe back in the 50s we weren't allowed to have our voices heard, but lots of things are changing. We were taught these things as kids, and I heard this as a youngster too because from my childhood I was always very opinionated and expressed my opinion uh, in front of <laughs> family <laughs> members. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I would be told, as you pointed out, Nikki, I would be told, Little kids should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And my family from Brooklyn would always say that to me. Peter, Peter, you should be seen and not heard, Peter. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, and, and then as we mature, mm-hmm. we start to realize that all of these things that we were told, you know, women cannot be leaders. Uh, we realize that it ain't necessarily so. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it becomes very, very free and very, very empowering. Now, how, how did you arrive on the doorstep of Wicca? How, how did you get into this? What um, was your path? All right, well, like I said, I grew up Catholic, and, and like I said, I was in high school and heard about, you know, the ugly hag which is in Macbeth didn't necessarily have to be so. So this teacher uh, basically pointed me in the direction, and she had me read this book, which I'm glad she didn't make me read anything by Gardner because he's so dry. I never would have never would have stuck with it. Just briefly, who is this Gardner Gerald guy? Gardner, he he was from Britain, 
and he is the father of modern Wicca. He is the one who took whatever traditions were being practiced out in Britain and kind of brought it forward um, and wrote a book about it and brought it to the United States. And, you know, so he is who's considered the father of modern Wicca. Because Wicca didn't exist mm -hmm. until the 1950s. He gave it the name. Um, they had all, you know, other names, I guess, for things. You could check the druids guess, out. Yeah, and depending on where what, you, yeah, where you came from, what area. Following it in that particular area. And don't forget, you know, because of everybody being afraid of it and threatening lives, it went underground for a long time. Uh, families kept traditions alive where they passed things on. Like I said, you know, like our Italian grandmothers probably had a whole bunch of stuff going on. It would have been smacked if we called them a witch, but that's what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I, my, mm -hmm. my grandmother used to make soup, and if she was making soup just because she was making soup, she would stir the pot clockwise. But if she was making soup because I was sick and she wanted me to get better, she would stir it counterclockwise. And I said, why? And she's because that's the way we do yeah, it. That's what you do. <laughs> okay, made no sense, but now it makes sense to me because basically what she was doing in her mind was trying to take something away and that counterclockwise action, remove something. So that's what she was trying to do. But again, she would smack me if I called her a witch, but that was witchcraft in my opinion. And, and that's why, yeah, the, you know, it's like people, people don't understand, you, you know, they perform witchcraft all the time. Have you blown out a candle for your birthday? With a witch. Oh, <laughs> witchcraft. Imagine that. Us good old Catholics, have we done novenas? Mm, mm -hmm. Made petitions mm -hmm. to the saints for novenas? Yep. Yep. Ah, witchcraft. But, ooh, don't say that, you know. But anyway, getting back to how I got into it. So with high school. Um, she had me read this book by Eric von Denken. Is that his yes. name? Right? Chariots, Chariots of the Gods. Oh, yes. And just opened my mind to the whole possibilities of what if. Had nothing to do with witchcraft. No. <laughs> but what if nothing. there is something else out there? Exactly. And yes. that just opened up my whole mind. And then I kind of had to wait for a little while because that was all pre-internet. And... Um, so I, I got married, I had kids, I baptized them Catholic. <laughs> I don't think they've forgiven me yet. But, um, you know, because there wasn't anything else at the time. And then I found a community through the internet. Um, in the beginning, it was only in New York City, and I didn't want to go there. And then things started to open up in New Jersey more, and we got in contact with one another. And I met groups of people, and that's how I got started. And then I met my teacher, who ultimately trained me for what I'm doing now so and what about you Michelle well um, I my first experience with it or opening to it was uh, I remember back in the 60s Sybil Leap was an English witch mm -hmm. that was you remember her uh, yeah she used to popular. she used to hang out with Hans Holzer yeah, I think so whom yeah. I and, met and several several years ago her autobiography came out so I wound up getting that and yeah. read that and and I was hooked I was like this really exists this feels right and it was like then I'd go to bookstores, but I would gravitate to the paranormal section, and I would be finding books with titles that were really interesting. Chariots of the Gods was one of them, and then a whole bunch of other books, uh, Life After Death, Reincarnation, and it all. Sometimes it would contradict each other, and I'd put the pieces in the back of my head. I, I just counted on something coming to either clear it up, one would be right or one would be wrong. Sometimes pieces would come and join them together where it all made sense. And when I was... Uh, well, in the 90s, 80s and 90s, lived in the heart of the Bible Belt in Alabama. Uh, I started an 
paranormal underground, and uh, we would have these occasional get-togethers. And uh, I remember following this one girl's car one time because she had a born-again pagan bumper sticker. And I said, oh, she, she should be coming to our group. <laughs> and uh, followed her home. And then the next time we were having a get-together, I came, went by her house with a flyer and knocked on her door. I said, and her mother answered. And I said, are you the one with the born-again pagan bumper sticker? She said, no, that's my daughter. And she opens it up. And I see the girl coming, stomping her way through the living room. I'm like, uh-oh, she's been... People have been coming to her trying to save her soul because they do that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I held it up really fast. I said, It's not what you think. I'm inviting you to a paranormal get together. And she's like, <laughs> And she kind of st- screeched to a screeching halt. And, and you, you see, she had reset her mind. And she goes, Oh, oh okay, yes, thank you. And she did come and she came after that. So she became part of our group. And then when I moved back to New Jersey, I found a, a, a group of people who were practicing Wicca. And I thought, okay, great. Took a Wicca 101 class. The guy was a good teacher, but he attracted a lot of crazy people. And, and that was one of the problems I found. There's a lot of... Um, well, we do attract a lot. We do attract a lot of crazy people. <laughs> and uh, so after his place fell apart, it was like, okay, I'm just going to stick to being a solitary practitioner. I'm not getting involved anymore. And Ingrid had a roommate that, was, that had found Nikki's group. And Ingrid is your daughter. Yes, Ingrid, my daughter. And she said, "Why uh, you got to talk to Nikki about uh, to Nicole about it?" And Nicole said, "You got to come with me. You're going to enjoy this." I said, "That's really nice that you think that way. I really appreciate it. But no, I've had my share of crazy groups. I'm just going to stick to being solitary." So she dragged them all to Ingrid's tea shop when she had the tea shop, and that's how I met Nikki. And uh, we've had a few people from there come and go since then, but um, Nikki and Nicole are. So this is something that you can practice uh, individually or you can practice in in group. You learn a lot more in the group. I've learned a lot more being part of a coven than I ever did on my own because the books don't give you everything. There's a lot of missing information. information. Well, I would say, you know, that that's probably true of of like even our Catholicism. It's like, yeah, you can pray to God Uh any place. God's everywhere. Uh You can pray at home. You can... But there is something about communal there is a uh, dynamic experience to do that, that uh, you, maybe you feel closer or you, you know, maybe now I'm thinking energy. Right. <laughs> you're, you're teaching me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that comes off of each other yeah. that creates a whole different experience. It's like it's being good. in a concert. You know, the musician is playing but it's not just them playing. The energy they're putting out is coming back from the audience as well, mm-hmm. and that's what makes a really great show. And uh, You hear musicians talk about that all the yeah. time and performers. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's what they are getting back, back. Yep. from the audience when they're up there on yeah. stage. Exactly. And when you're aware of it, you, you really feel it going back Yeah, it's, it's a give and take, yeah. the whole thing, yep. That's why Paul McCartney can do a three-hour show without taking a break. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or Bruce Springsteen or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Now, now how does a coven form? Is 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 there a process or? Um, this is her line. Well, um, it all depends. I mean, you know, like I said, a hundred Wiccans in the room, you're going to get 120 different answers. Uh, for me, I went the quote-unquote traditional route. Um, I firmly believe that I wanted. Well, I wanted to run a teaching and training coven. So I felt I needed to have credentials. Not everybody needs to have credentials. You want to practice this, you don't have to have credentials. And you can get them online. All right. And I figured, you know what? If I was going to train other people, then I wanted to do that college route. You know, I wanted to go to a good college, and I wanted to make sure I got the proper paperwork. So that's what I did. Um, so I'm considered a third degree high priestess in my tradition. Um, 
you don't have to do that if you don't want to, but that's how I wanted to do it. And I wanted a little more organization than maybe some of these other covens had because I'm a former school teacher. So I had that whole mindset about wanting that, you know, proper education so that things, things didn't go wrong. People didn't get the wrong information or act willy-nilly about things and expect it to be what they see on TV or in movies. You know, because it's not. It's absolutely not anything like you see on TV or movies. And so... You know, I wanted to have that paperwork that said, I put the time in, I had somebody observe me, I had somebody vouch for me to say she did the work, blah, 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 whatever. So where do you go, Nikki, to get that kind of an education? Um, well, we're actually all over the place. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You run into more witches than you might realize. But yeah, you know, it all depends. I mean, some people run groups, some people don't. Um, when I was looking for a teacher, that you know, the saying always goes, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that's exactly what happened. When I was ready to start this whole thing, I ran into someone who ended up being my teacher, and she was running a loosely based group. She's, she's not as formal as uh, what I have. But, um, you know, and she took me through my three degrees, and that's how it works for us. You don't have to have three degrees our tradition does. And when I'm talking traditions, it's like, think about, you know, uh, that umbrella of Christianity, okay, and Catholicism and Protestants and all that fall under that umbrella. So my tradition that I, that I trained in would fall under that Wiccan umbrella as being like, you know, that, that like maybe Catholicism is, if that makes sense, mm. okay? So when someone is... Um is seeking to to become a practitioner of Wiccan, Wicca, or or witchcraft. Uh, what what advice would would you give that person who's just starting out and says, well, you know, this really does sound interesting to me and, and something that I might want to pursue. What what would your advice be to them? Well, aside from COVID now, that's interrupting a lot of things. I would, con I would say go, go to whatever anybody has to offer. The internet has opened up so many things now. You can go on the internet, you can yep. Google, and you can find groups all over the place. Um, I also say start reading first, pick up books. Not everything's going to be exactly the way it should be, but that's okay, start reading, start finding out some stuff. You and, get the basics. Right, and, and Google for groups, look for others that are doing this. And then you've got to start going. It's almost like interviewing. You have to go. You have to experience the stuff. Because maybe what my group is doing isn't fitting in with, with what someone else is looking for. And they might feel more comfortable or they might feel um, a little more, uh, you know. At home? At home somewhere else. Like maybe with a druid group. Yeah. It's so. because there's, there, again, there's all different ways of doing it. And so you, you've got to start looking around. And then you find the place that, you know, you kind of call home. And some people stick around for a long time, like Michelle has. And then <laughs> others come and go. And it all depends. You know? It's your own journey. Everybody's on their own journey. That's what it's all about. There's no one set rule for anybody. Do any of these... Uh writings ring a bell to you um wicca the solitary practitioner by scott cunningham oh, yes <laughs> recommended yeah absolutely, absolutely. anything, anything, by, by, <laughs> anything <laughs> by him <laughs> also the trying to read my own handwriting here the modern guide to witchcraft by sky alexander okay yeah all right 
that's she, not one I've read. So yeah, I can't it's, say one way or the other. it's one of the I've newer ones, I think. Really. I, I think it's one of the newer ones. Scott Cunningham goes back. Yeah. You know. How about Just Thorn Mooney? There's a Thorn Mooney traditional witchcraft, a seeker's guide. Uh, Thorn Mooney, also available on YouTube, apparently. Mm. I don't, I don't know. Christopher that one. Penzack is another yeah, one. Yeah, Christopher really Penzack uh, is another one I recommend. He's got a bunch of books out there. Um, one of the ones I absolutely love is um, Wicca and Witchcraft for Dummies by. I was yes. going to ask you if there was yeah. one of those. And, they, yeah. <laughs> the, and the, the Idiot's Guide. Yeah, to, or maybe it's the Idiot's Guide. Too, I, can't, I can't remember which one it is, I but it's by Gleason. Yeah. Gleason. One of, the, one of the author's names is Gleason. I think it's that's two the women. Idiot's Guide, yeah. Yeah, and that's very really good. good. A, lot of, a lot of basic information there, which is yeah. good. And one that I liked, she's not always right on target with stuff, but she's really, she gives a lot of the basics. And uh, I actually kept the book, even though I had gotten it for somebody else, I liked it so much, I, I kept it for me and got her another copy, was uh, Teen Witch by Silver Ravenwolf. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it. She covers a whole lot of areas, mm -hmm. the basics and everything, and it's real down to earth. I wanted to ask you about divination, uh, tarot cards, yep. uh, oracle cards, mm -hmm. Ouija boards, mm -hmm. uh, is it something called a black mirror? Yeah. yeah. What? A scrying mirror. Yeah. T t tell us it's about some like, of these things. I don't know. Are you familiar with Nostradamus and his uh, prophecies of the future, like with the where he sat with a brass ball full of water and he looked into it? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that, except that the mirror is black, um, and and you could do it with water with. Uh, liquid in a bowl, in any kind of bowl, you can do it with the sun coming, uh, the moon coming in, um, but or you can just do it with a mirror, black mirror, a bronze-colored mirror. You just kind of get into a meditative state and then just open your mind and just let the images come to you. You don't necessarily see them in the mirror, although you might, but usually it's just like in, in your own mind and in, in like the your forehead has like a screen in front of it and you'll get images there, or sometimes you'll just get words, or sometimes just you just know. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, it's it's a a device for tuning into well, to your own subconscious and to and into the superconscious, if you want to put it, the the universe. Yeah, reading someone energy. reading someone else's energy. Mm -hmm. I do tarot card readings at the uh, New York Renaissance Festival. Um, sadly, we're not doing it this ball. year. <laughs> huge crystal. And I got ball. a huge crystal ball. But um, you know, and you're not. It's not really the cards that are telling you much. I mean, sometimes the cards help when you've got somebody who comes to you and says, I want a reading, but they're really kind of afraid, so they've closed themselves off. Because basically, when I'm reading tarot cards, I'm reading that person's energy. I'm not necessarily reading the cards. But if they've closed themselves off because they're afraid, or they kind of believe it, or they don't believe it, or, or, they're, they're, testing or they're testing me, or whatever, sometimes the cards will help, because you know we have certain cues, like red might mean a certain thing, or you know this picture might mean a certain thing, or whatever. And it'll start the conversation flowing or whatever um, but yeah I mean basically when when you're doing any kind of divination it's really not happening out in the tool that you're using it's happening within you and one of the things is if you've done your work properly like I always say if I don't meditate every day I can't do squat for anybody so I have to tap into me I gotta know who I am I have to know what I'm going through I have to know what what issues I'm dealing with, uh, what you know, where my growth is, needs to be had, or you know, whatever, because then I can't help anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what—that's how it works. I'm tapping into me, and I'm tapping into you at the same time. If that makes any sense at all, you know, we, we talk energy work. There's no—we don't have vocabulary 
for yeah, energy you work. You just feel it. It's, it's something you have to experience. This is called the, the mystery path because you have to experience this kind of thing. And I know they've called Catholicism the mystery path also mm -hmm. because spirituality is something that needs to be personally experienced. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's different for each person. And they have to have their own personal experience with it. I can't tell you what it's like for you. I can only tell you what it's like for me. And even then, I don't have the words. Tell me about a cyball. A what? A cyball. P-S-I-B-A-L-L. When you hold energy, you cup your hands oh, like this, and you hold cool? energy <laughs> in your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel it? We're rubbing our hands back and forth. All right, and you feel it. And, and now cup it. And then bring it back. And then bring it forward and bring it out. You can feel the limit of the energy. There you go. Our hands happen to have uh, one of the most powerful um, places. Yeah. yeah, they're chakras that are energy uh, centers. And they're one of the most powerful ones. Because so. when I was doing my homework before doing the show, uh -huh. uh, I came across, they were talking about a cyball where you would, okay. you would cup your hands mm -hmm. and if you really concentrated, you could feel the energy mm -hmm. in, in your hands. Absolutely. We've done it too where we've played where we've thrown it back and forth to one another. Yeah. How about Ouija boards? Parlor game? <laughs> no. Or is there something to <laughs> We've used them. I, I'm, uh, like, I used to be a lot better at it when I was younger. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, us that's <laughs> usually what happens. That's why it's gotten such a bad name. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, they scare me. Of course I had they one, scare and you. Maureen threw it out. Of course, um, of course I went they looking scare for it once, and I'm like, "Where's my Ouija board?" And I threw it out. Okay, but I could tell you right now, we could do mediumship right now. We don't need the Ouija board. So what's the difference? Are you afraid if I if I? Oh, I, I talk to Gina all the time. You no, know that that, that yeah, she aspect. Talks to her more than she does that to aspect me. doesn't upset me. What what I think what bothers me with the Ouija board is the fact that you are not necessarily trying to conjure up a specific person and you were leaving, you know, if, if a spirit is present, make yourself known kind of thing. Yeah. And what if it's a bad, oh. yeah. bad can you open? Can you open a door, energy. like a Pandora's box, can you open a door that you wish that you didn't open? I think if you... I got married, I opened up a Pandora's <laughs> box and I ultimately divorced him. It's the same thing. <laughs> You can, but you, there are ways of, of clearing it out, too. Uh, you can protect yourself, and I think that's when I quit being able to read, uh, to do a Ouija board too well. I think I overprotected myself a lot of times. So Again, you have to remember, there's no good or bad. Yeah. There just is. It's, it's kind of like energy. But okay. isn't there, aren't there like spirits that would mean you harm? If you believe they're going to mean you harm, then they're going to mean you harm. You know, you're your own worst enemy. Probably. It's whatever but, you I mean, like, believe you the know, most. Like, but you, you know, you, you see at, you know, haunted houses, of say. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I spent the night in some of them. I know. Too, yeah. And like there were sometimes people's experiences with the ghosts are very friendly. Mm -hmm. And, and other, other times the malicious. ghost is, is very mad that they're there mm -hmm. and does everything that they can to I, scare I them out and even harm them in some I cases. I one me up one time. Well, okay, here's, here's how it goes, guys. You've that was a horny ghost. <laughs> you, you have to remember, we are all sovereign beings, okay? You have more power than you give yourself credit for. It's just that we've been told, no, you can't do that. No, this is evil. No, this is no good. And so we grew up with all those kinds of things. I was going to um, 
a seance with a friend one time, and she was starting to study in my group, and she's a former Jehovah's Witness. And she started to get involved in Wicca and everything, and we were going down to visit this friend of ours, and um, she was very quiet in the car. And I said to her, hey, what's going on? Why, why are you so, so quiet? I said, are you afraid of what we're going to be doing? She goes, yeah, a little bit. And I said, why? And she said, well, you know, the difference between you and me is you grew up being told that none of this exists. That, you know, you're making it up. It's all, you know, ghosts don't exist. You're full of it, you know, whatever. Grow up, blah, blah, blah. She said, I was taught that, yeah, it does exist. And it all comes from Satan. And I said, oh, well, that's why. Okay, you know. So, so she was a little afraid because she was afraid she was going to, you know, unleash, you know, hell's bells or whatever. Mm. The, the, dogs of demons or uh, whatever you know and but you have to realize you are in more control than you give yourself credit for nobody can hurt you unless you give permission and when I channel something I'm giving permission to somebody to talk through me but I know I'm in control that if this entity is too much or I've had enough or it's not respecting me it's like there's the door out you go takes a little practice, but that's really what it's all about. But you have to remember, you are in control of yourself at all times. Hmm. Growing nobody up, can make you do, yeah, nobody can make you do what you don't want to do. Growing up, we were always taught about your guardian angel. But what's your take on that? Guiding spirits, mind throws stuff at me. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to view it as an angel, that's fine. Um, in my opinion, if you saw what an angel really looked like, you'd be scared half to death. They're pretty ferocious warriors. Yes, we do have guides. We do have guardians that help us along the way. Um, try to give us the right messages. Yeah, and try and push us in the right direction. But we, we are here with free will. And our choices are our choices, and how we decide to grow and the personal work we decide to do is our own choice. Nobody can make us do whatever we don't want to do. Certainly, somebody might constantly be pushed in a little bit and say, please, Michelle, please do this, or please don't do this, or, you know, <laughs> yeah, or, or you like know. don't do this. <laughs> but it's basically, she has final say. It's free will. And even though they may try and guide us, they'll, they'll say, <laughs> I remember one time I was driving to work like a mad woman because I was late and I was, you know, like kind of like slipping through, um, you know, caution lights and I, I was taking some chances, I guess. And I had a squirrel run in front of me. I had birds flying into my, you know, um, my windshield. And I was like, well, I got to get to work, got to work because my mindset was I got to get to work. And I stopped, I had to stop because there was a traffic accident. And my grandfather passed away in like 1977. And I'm, I'm, and I'm passing this accident and you could see it had just happened and the driver in the other car was like all bloody and everything. Mm. And I happened to turn around and I look and there was my grandfather's face staring right out at me. The man looked exactly like my grandfather. And I was like, okay, I got the message. <laughs> I had to slow down and go to work. Now, do I know for sure that I would have gotten into an accident or some harm would have you know, befallen me if I didn't take that message seriously. No, I don't know, I don't have the proof. But I had everything else happening, uh, squirrels were running and I had to jam on my brakes and you know, because I don't want to hit a squirrel and you know, birds are flying in front of me and stuff. And then it was finally my grandfather with a bloody, you know, bloody face because of a car accident kind of spoke volumes to me and I slowed down going to work. Again, I don't have the proof, do I know, but 
I kind of felt that that was what the message was. I had was. seen where I missed an accident, uh, like coming home one night. Um, I think I was tw on 21. I think I might have been coming home from one of our things, as a matter of uh -oh. fact. And I hit traffic, which I never hit at that time on, you know, on Route 3. <laughs> and hit some traffic there. And... I was like swearing, of course, you know, like I need to get of course. home, I'm tired, <laughs> I'm but then when I got onto 21, there was an accident there that had nothing to do with the traffic jam. The traffic jam was just one of those traffic jams that appears out of nowhere for no reason. But when I got onto 21, there was an accident that had just happened. No vehicles, or no emergency vehicles were there yet or not. And all I thought was like, if I hadn't had that traffic jam back there, I would have been in that spot by that point mm -hmm. in time. And I think that uh, that was why that traffic jam happened. I've heard so many stories like that, especially surrounding 9-11, mm -hmm. of yeah. people that were supposed to be there that day, and For either they, reason, their alarm yeah. clock didn't go off, sure. or they missed the bus, or, or they hit traffic. Or, or something spoke to them in yeah. their mind or said, don't that go. don't go. go. Yeah. Have you had that happen to you, Maureen? What's that? Something tell you to avoid something or do something and do it now with, with an urgency or that... Or don't do it now. Or yeah. don't do it, almost as if somebody was speaking to you from not some other plane. Not often, no. Because um, you know I've had it happen to me I many know, times. I, I know you have. Um, with me, it, it's more like in my dreams. I'll, I think I get messages okay. sometimes, um, and I'll wake up and I'll be like, now that one meant something. And I don't maybe I have to figure out what it is, but... Um, but as far as a, a, a really direct message, I don't know. No, but you but you can tell the difference between yeah. a regular dream and one of those and that you have to sit up and take notes. Mm -hmm. Message dreams, yeah. yes. Because yeah. I've had happen to me on numerous occasions, mm -hmm. and I refer to it, for lack of a better term, as my guardian mm -hmm. angel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I remember coming home from work one day, and I got this urgent message in my head that said there is a big problem at the house when you get there there is a problem you need to deal with this now you need to deal with this now there is a problem and I got to the house and the house had been broken into and there was a trail of blood going up the side of our stairs up to the second floor a person had broken into the house broke through a window, mm -hmm. cut his arm, and left a trail of blood all the way up the wall. And this voice, for lack of a better description, said to me, there's a problem, deal with this now, everybody's okay, but deal, there's a problem, be ready. Mm -hmm. And I got to the house and it was like, I, honestly, I wasn't afraid I was more like, what the F? <laughs> you know, like, wow, the spirit or whatever it is was uh -huh. right. And I was actually comfortable to go in. And they tell you, never go in. Mm -hmm. Never go Any mm -hmm. cop will tell you, never go in. Right. And I felt comfortable enough to go in and see what had happened. And it, it, it was already done. Mm -hmm. You know, Maureen was at work. and But there was blood and there was things taken and, mm -hmm. and so forth and I've had uh, I've had that same voice say to me things like uh, if, if I'm going somewhere get off and go here <laughs> get off this exit now mm -hmm. get off now and it's always urgent mm -hmm. it's always urgent and then I find out that there was a terrible accident mm -hmm. up ahead or somebody got killed 
uh, I, was, I used to work in Manhattan on weekends. And I was sitting in the broadcast studio. And thing comes into my head and says, somebody has broken into your car. You need to get out there now. And I go outside. Now, my car was parked right outside the, the radio station. Somebody had broken into the car. So to me, it was like, there's something to this. Can you, can you tell me where you might be able to feel that coming from? Like, for example, I always know when it's my thought, I feel it coming from the front of my head. When it's not my thought, it. it's coming from the back of my head. Can you pinpoint? Not everybody can feel it. Yeah, I feel because it they're so busy the hearing. But mm. maybe the next time it happens, try and pay attention to where it's coming. My from. my my gut feel on that, Nikki, is back of my head. Yeah, that's usually that's usually back the telltale. I've learned when I get yeah. messages, if it yeah. feels like it's coming from the back of my head, I need to pay attention. Yeah. I don't often hear a voice. I feel a voice. Yeah, right? I, but I've also had. I couldn't tell you what the sometimes. voice sounds like, but right. it's just. Yeah. It's, you definitely you get a message, yeah, and exactly. it's urgent. Mm -hmm. It is urgent. It is always because yeah, it takes a lot of energy. You to need to act on this <laughs> now. Mm -hmm. And then I wonder who it is because I, I lost my mom when I was seventeen, mm -hmm. and I was a lot closer to her than I was to my dad. Mm -hmm. Not that he was a bad guy. We just weren't mm -hmm. as close as my mom and I were. And uh, the day does not go by that I don't think of her. Sure. And. So I often wonder, well, gee, I wonder if that's her. Well, I wonder if, if that's her watching over me. Because it, it doesn't have be. a Brooklyn accent. <laughs> <laughs> it never says, Peter. <laughs> Peter, somebody broke into the house, Peter. It's Moida, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, a lot of us like to have those romanticized ideas that it is a spirit of a departed relative or whatever. Um, what, what, what's really important, I think, for people to understand is that we're all connected to one another. So it doesn't matter if it's a quote-unquote blood relative or not. We're all related. We're all connected. Um, I always like to tell our students that, you know, if we can remember, make this one little tweak in your thinking, that we're not humans with spirits. We're spirits. We're multidimensional spirits experiencing a temporary human existence. And if we can make that tweak of thinking of ourselves as multidimensional spirits first, and that the human existence is just temporary, that's secondary to what we really are. We can tap into so much more because there's so much that we can do, but we short circuit ourselves because we're always paying attention to this physical thing. So while we like to have that romanticized idea that it's, it's my, my long-lost mom and, you know, she's been gone for so long and love transcends, and it does. Love is, you know, energy doesn't die. Love doesn't die. It goes on forever and ever and ever. And so maybe it is her. Maybe it's somebody else because they love you just as much as your mother loved you, whether you realize that or not. And we're all connected. So it could be somebody you've never even met. In this lifetime. Or it's just, or ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, you know, learn how to tap into it. And it's amazing the things that you can do. But love is love. It ain't going nowhere. Because we thought, too, in our family, people have seen even, even pets that we had mm -hmm. that, oh, yeah. that are deceased. Mm -hmm. Like uh, our son, our younger son, swears that he saw one of our dogs. We had this dog, Lucky, who was very, very close to 
Maureen and I, and uh, very protective of our family. And when Lucky passed, our son said he actually came down the stairs one day to the living room and he saw Lucky sitting on mm -hmm. the sofa. And he said, Lucky, you're not supposed to be here, you're dead. <laughs> and the image disappeared. You know, and, yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. and this isn't the kind of a thing that he's going to make up. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, this was just him sharing an experience that he yeah. had with us. You know, we had uh, our house, of course, now our house that we moved out of was built in 1924. And old houses make a lot of noise. They creak and mm -hmm. they do. But we had found out that the woman who lived in our house had died there. And her name was Emma, Emma Putbach. She was the original owner of the house in 1924. And we always, when we would hear noises, we would always say, Emma, <laughs> knock it off. But Mark used to say that things in his bedroom would move. Sure. And he would put something on one side of the room and he would come back in and it would be on the other side of the room. Mm -hmm. And we always used to say, Emma. Mm -hmm. So the advice is can't rule it out. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. I had I had a dog. I had to put her down. She's just short of her fifteenth birthday, and um, she used. To, I have three cats also, and she always played with the cats. And cats don't get along with each other, but everybody got along with the dog. <laughs> so, um, and it was really kind of sad because you know none of those cats remember being without the dog because the dog had come first and the cats all came after the dog. So they were all lived there with the dog and then one day I go out with the dog and I don't come back with the dog. And I had one cat waiting for me at the back door when I come in and he's looking at me and I was like, sorry buddy, you know, she's not coming back. Mm. And I, he didn't talk to me for about a day. <laughs> but um, it was about three months, three months later and she used to make this certain noise when she wanted to go out. That's how she would communicate to me that she needed to go outside. And I was half asleep, and I hear the noise, and I'm like, oh, I've got to get up and let the dog out. And then I'm like, oh, no, I don't have to let the dog out. <laughs> you know, the dog's not here anymore. And I kind of, like, roll over and go back to sleep. And the, that morning when I got up, there was one of her bones sitting in the middle of my, my kitchen floor. I took a picture of it because I was like, look, I cleaned up everything when that dog was gone because I didn't want to see anything. It was too painful. Mm. I cleaned up everything. When I came home from the vet after having put her down, I cleaned out everything. I got rid of all her food. I got rid of put her, put her collar away, did everything because I didn't want to see anything. So where the heck did this bone come from? Yeah. On the yeah. same night that I heard her trying to wake me up to go outside? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. The, the message is, you're, is not, you're not rid of me. Yeah. I'm not gone. Exactly. I'm still here. <laughs> and I've had cats that have passed away. Yeah. I've caught glimpses of them walking around a corner. Mm -hmm. And one that uh, for a few days after he died would jump up on the bed with me still. And I'd feel something cold where he used to settle in in my arm. And then for about three days after he passed away. And then after that occasionally the jump up on the bed or his mm -hmm. voice but that was about it that's well, the other thing that i've had happen is uh, and i think i had mentioned this yeah. to you once before michelle that i've been lying on my bed i don't know if i have felt it here in in the new house but in the old house i could be up in the bedroom lying on the bed watching tv and i swear it felt like somebody sat on the bed you mm -hmm. know how a bed kind of sinks a little yeah. bit mm -hmm. when somebody sits on it yeah. and i would feel and i never looked i never 
looked because I honestly I was I was a little scared. <laughs> I was a little scared. I was like, "What the hell is this?" But I can tell you very definitely. You feel the weight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I felt the weight of something sitting on that bed. Yeah. I've never had any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You feel locked down. You know, well, you yeah. Know what yeah, but you know what happens sometimes? I think we've all experienced more than we give ourselves credit yeah. for. We just kind of like brush it off and say or it's something else. It. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, you know, part of what Michelle and I do is that we've opened ourselves up to the possibility that these things exist and that it can happen. So we're more aware of it. We're more open to it. If you start to allow yourself that ability Mm -hmm. to say, hey, maybe it really does exist, it does happen, you might end up seeing more, experiencing more. It's not that I don't believe it. I mean, I I believe that it can, but it just just hasn't happened to me. Now, I know, like, my, my... in the past few years, I lost my sister, and I also lost my mother. Mm-hmm. And people would always post these things about cardinals. Mm-hmm. And if you see a cardinal, it means a loved mm-hmm. one is nearby. Well, I never saw one. Ever, ever, ever saw any around. And I used to say, this is bull. <laughs> I'm like, you know, either that or they don't want us. Be, they, they, don't, they don't want to be back. They don't, want to, they don't want to talk to me or whatever. Or maybe they're coming to you in a different way. Well, they, whatever. Yeah. But the interesting thing is when we moved to this house... The next day, there was a whole family of cardinals oh, out in the backyard. <laughs> and I said, they just didn't want to come to the old neighborhood. That might have been it. They didn't like it there. They didn't That's like a it there. That's a, That's a good, strong possibility. Yeah. My dad passed away, and it was funny. Um, everybody in the family had a dream about my dad You know, at some point. We all had dreams, and my mother is sitting there. And she's got this look on her face, and I know my mother well enough. I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And she's like, yeah, sure. He comes and he says hello to everybody else, but he doesn't come home and say hello to me. And this was after she had told me the story that um, the last time before he went to the hospital where he ultimately passed away, he had left his pants on this piece of furniture. And it was in the bedroom, and when she sat and watched TV, she could see where the pants were. And uh, she didn't want to move them because it was the last time he placed them there. And she just wanted to leave them there for a while. And she said, I'm sitting there watching TV. And she said, the pants are on the floor. So she said, I get up. And I said, you know, because my mother always yelled at my father. And she says, oh, yeah, sure. What do you want me to do? Clean up. So she takes the pants and she puts them back on the piece of furniture. And she comes back. She sits down to watch TV. The pants are on the floor again. And she's like, what the heck is going on? What's the matter with these pants? And she gets up and she puts them back on the piece of furniture. She gets back to the chair to watch TV. Pants are on the floor again. And I'm laughing at her. And she's like, yeah, 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 I know, because she knows what I do. And she goes, yeah, 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 I know. You're telling me that's your father coming here to say hello. And I was like, well, Ma, you know, what, do you, what do you want me to say? You don't want to believe. What can I tell you? And as we're having this conversation, we're sitting in the living room. And we're right by, she has shades. You guys all have blinds and stuff. She has the old-fashioned shades. Mm-hmm. And as she's going, yeah, why doesn't he just come in the door and say hello? And I said, because you'd end up, I'd end up burying you right next to him because you can't handle that. And as we're having that conversation, the shade goes, <laughs> <laughs> and she jumped about 10 feet in the air. And I was just like, yep, there you go. <laughs> you know? It's like so. with Gina, there's no cardinals with her. She didn't like well, she wasn't crazy about cardinals, but she loved flamingos. They flamingos, and they became, yeah. Like the year she died, they became the in trend, and now there's flamingos everywhere. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're not from her, but sometimes they show up in the weirdest places, and it's obvious that Gina sent a message. Yeah, she's just so. saying hello. Don't forget me. 
Now, do you both, are you both into the paranormal as well? Oh, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of goes with the... That's a whole nother show. Territory. That is a whole nother show, because yeah. yeah, exactly. I know that Michelle has told me that, that she's mm-hmm. stayed in what are purported to be haunted houses and... Uh, the haunted houses, my favorite place was the Haunted Hotel up in New York. I've been there four times. Mm-hmm. Then the Haunted Prison a couple years ago that they filmed the Shawshank Redemption. That place was awesome. But, but the thing everybody needs to realize is that a place is not necessarily haunted. Every place is haunted because it's only the next um, vibrational level away. You know, the body passes away because it's carbon-based and it can't live forever, but energy doesn't die. It just takes on another form. Hmm, science, imagine that. (laughs) And that's what happens. So they're all around. Those energy forms are still around. That energy doesn't die. It goes on. And all right, maybe they stick around because it is a loved one. You know, the dog comes to say hello, you know, that kind of a thing. Because Right, because that's, they know that's where they were loved and they come back for that kind of a thing. But it's just that next vibrational level over. So they're all around. I guarantee you've walked through ghosts already <laughs> and you just don't know it. We but should do, we should just do another show at some point <laughs> in the future about the paranormal. <laughs> Exactly. We, we could be here all day with that. So if anybody wants to get information on, uh, on Wicca, on witchcraft, uh, maybe on the paranormal, since we've kind of touched on, your, on it here. On your, or on your particular or, coven? Or. Sure. Yeah, where, where can they get information? Just look for me on meetup groups. The name of the group is called Bergen Wiccan and Pagan Group. Um, and just, you know, you can, you can email me at divastardust7 at yahoo.com and just tell me that this is where you heard me and uh, we'll take it from there. And, well, I don't run the group, but I... Uh, <laughs> but you can find her But you can me. find me at Bergen and Wicked Pagan, too. And uh, my email's uh, mpsaue-r at yahoo.com. Now, do you have which names outside of your, your real-life names? I, some people do. Because we, we knew never... a woman who uh, was a witch mm-hmm. and uh, a Wiccan, mm-hmm. and she actually had a, a different, I think her Rowan Rose was her name. She used mm-hmm. to go by R-O-W-A-N, Rowan Rose. I, I do have one that was given to me with the, uh, when I got my first degree with the coven, but um, I, don't, I don't choose a name to go by. Some people do. They'll choose their own name. It, felt, it didn't feel right to me. I'm, I'm me. I'm who I am, and being a witch is part of who I am. And Nikki's not my real name, so I don't really care. But that's not my witch. That's not my witch name. I gotcha. Again, I was given, uh, you know, when I studied under my teacher, I was given a quote-unquote witch name. Um, but I don't use that publicly because it's private. But um, yeah, Nikki's not my real name. That way, I don't have to worry about jobs, and I don't have to worry about people who might hold this against me. Although I'm out of the broom closet completely at yeah. this point, nobody, <laughs> you know, no, nobody's going to be able to do anything to me at this point. But you know, um, in the beginning, when I first started out, I had two little kids at home, and I didn't know, you know, who these people were axe murderers that I was meeting on the internet or not. And I just wanted to sit, stay safe, so I created the name Nikki Summers. Well, this has been great fun. And uh, we want to thank our listeners for joining us. This is Mixing It Up with Pete Maureen, and we've been talking with Nikki and Michelle, who are practicing witches. And we hope that you enjoyed the show. We invite you to join us again next week for another round of Mixing It Up with Pete Maureen, when we will talk about whatever we pull off the top of our heads. Or anyplace else. (laughs) And until then, I'm Pete. I'm Maureen. And as always, goodbye, God bless you, and thank you 
Thank you for listening. listening.